Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Hank Vogler, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. It's Monday for sure. That for sure means Hank Vogler's checking in from North Spring Valley, Nevada. Are you the only resident of White Pine County these days? Has everybody else surrendered their permits and left? <laughs> That's coming, lad. That's coming. Yeah. Yes, sir, Bob. What a joke. I read an article I don't think that's about legal. It. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So we need to bring everybody up to speed. What the heck happened here? Well, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, before Pizza Before Jesus? Or... Yes. Okay. All right. No. No, uh, I was too young to remember all of that stuff. But anyhow, <laughs> Pete Santarusa and his relative Joe Santarusa were in the sheep business in uh, that particular area that, for a gazillion wait, and a half whoa, years. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's that particular area? In Idaho. Okay. Idaho, central Idaho. Uh, they they had a viable sheep operation, and then they just kind of got old and went out of it and what various other reasons. And this gentleman came along and a very nice man. I've met him. Uh, there's no use saying his name. He obviously made his money doing something else. And just like a lot of people that make money doing something else, get the guilts about, you know, I, you know, you want to go to the right cocktail party. You want to tell everybody you're helping to pave the way for a new tomorrow. And, uh, he was going to raise a uh, sheep that was predator friendly, I, I believe, or some some you know snappy little thing like that. You know, it's, it's just like your deal. You're you're you know rural routes. Well, you got to be over fifty or better to know that uh, rural farm delivery used to be how RFD. You know, it's marketing. Black lives matter. Well, it has nothing to do with black lives. It has to do with communism. They're a communist organization and willful. Admit it. Conservation is the same thing. How can you possibly be against conservation? Western watershed. Now that's an innocuous sounding thing. Haley, Idaho. Uh, you know, total radical takeover. Let the government run everything. Get rid of livestock. Get rid of farming. Get rid of everything, and we'll eat air. I guess. So, all of these things are marketing, and they're all done for money. This guy wanted to raise sheep without having any predator control, without doing anything, and sell it as, you know, pr uh, politically correct meat. Sell it in the high-end restaurants. Well, he kind of ran out of sheep. <laughs> oopsie, oopsie. <laughs> the, the wolves are doing well Dog in Idaho. Is that the moral of the story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and grizzly bears and coyotes and eagles and whatever else was his you know <laughs> he was supporting so then rather than you know whatever you want to call it uh stepping up and saying you know this really doesn't work there is a predator prey base uh you know marketing didn't work out too well uh so i'm going to give these permits back and the amazing thing is it's the guy that sponsors the deal sponsors the 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 idea is an Idaho senator. Well, guess what's happened to Idaho? Now that people want to get out of New York because of Black Lives Matter and other 
high taxes and insane positions. Boise, Idaho, I believe, is about the fastest growing place in the United States. Well, instead of coming out and, and it, it, they want to reinvent the wheel, they want, they want to bring all their baggage with them. And all of a sudden, Idaho is turning into uh, uh, this touchy-feely, bunny-hugging outfit. So this guy retires his Forest Service permits. Well, okay, guess what's going to happen? Is it going to help the wildlife? No. Now, they were all worried about the salmon getting silt in their gills. Well, there's going to be all this feed base that's going to explode in that area. And it's going to burn down, burn up valuable timber, burn up valuable country, do everything, you know. Uh, and it's all going to wash down the, the rivers into the Columbia. That's the drainage. So everything that's going to happen is going to be just totally against wildlife, totally against husbandry totally against anything that's sane. I doggone it, it looks so good in the front window, Trent. It looks beautiful. Oh, we're going to dedicate this to the wildlife. Why, to the wild sheep, to the wild wolves. Well, they've already wiped out the elk in Idaho and the deer and everything else. But we're going we're gonna to be politically correct, even though we had a complete business plan that was a, a total failure. And is it legal? Yeah, Forest what does that mean? Tell, tell, me what it, for- tell me what it means to retire your permits to the Forest Service. What does that mean? That means that you've been over backwards, bared your buttocks to the environmental movement, and you want Robert Redford tried to do the same thing in Utah. Didn't work. I, uh, he tried to re- he bought a ranch, had some permits on it, took them back to the Forest Service, and of course it wasn't possible. I believe these have all been reissued, but he didn't like the sheep sleeping on the road to his house. So you give them back to the Forest Service and dedicate them to anything but husbandry. The mandate of the Forest Service, I believe, originally was to provide agricultural water and cheap lumber for the cities. So uh, we kind of went away from that. And now we're in the bunny-hugging business, and and we're in the touchy-feely stuff, you know. As I read that article that talked about everything that we tried to shed a light on all, I think we jumped in the middle of it for the listener's benefit, but, uh, I mean, to the benefit of the listener's dismay, you hit the one area that just is the burr under my saddle. Somehow, we collectively have allowed people to believe that grazing animals are adverse to a healthy ecosystem. You and I know, most people know that that's the exact opposite, that by grazing areas, you increase migratory fowl utilizing that area by 17, 17 times. There's so many benefits to the, the rancher grazing animals to the wildlife, and yet that's been completely hijacked, Hank. That, that is the one component of this that we need to take back. Yes, and I believe the Forest Service, I know if I don't use my permits for three years, they can take them away from them and give them to somebody else. Because there's a mandate that every three years you have to license up your Forest Service permit for one day, 90%, which is a kind of an archaic rule. But it was a rule put into place years and years ago. So you know, originally in Oregon, they sent military troops out to keep people from putting their livestock on the forest reserve and realized that that was wrong and that was crazy and that didn't work. And so then they started 
issuing permits to put livestock up there. Uh, whatever the politics of the day was, they didn't. They, and and people were going in and 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 forming timber claims and cutting timber, things like that. And uh, uh, for whatever reason, you know, environmental movement didn't start yesterday. Uh, government control didn't start yesterday. It started, you know, right after the ink was dry on the Constitution. But the Forest Service, I don't believe, can just arbitrarily do that. Now, this idiot senator from Idaho has passed that law. And, and I don't even know if it, it would stand muster if somebody took it to the Supreme passed Court. What but they law? can or pass some rule or regulation is what I understand. I think his name's Simpson or Samson. Uh, I think he passed, the other senator he passed members. the law that they can retire their permit. Yes. Okay. We left that part out. So, yeah. So I guess what can happen, and ultimately probably will, people with guilt trips or like the Western Watershed, at least, you know, you got to give them credit. They, they make no bones about it. They hate us. They hate ranching. They hate anybody that's trying to make a living on federal lands or anywhere else for that matter. They sue. Uh, equal access to legal justice allows them to make a bucket load of money uh, and uh, charge full fees when they sue, sue the BLM and the Forest Service for failing to cross a T or dot an I, and then they get all their all their uh, uh, charges for uh, putting the case against us. They get paid on both ends. So they, several years ago, offered us $172 in AUM. But their nexus is no better than anybody else's. I got 11 different letters. So if you take 11 times 172, it's a pretty good chunk of cash. Mm-hmm. You know, they had need more sheep company, Henry Vogler, DBA, need <laughs> had everything in there. So how how much are they going to have to offer to be tempted? How much, no, how much, how much people can stand the I pressure? Just stop. Roll route. More after this. Uh, we're going to come back to this in the program, but uh, Hank has just given me an idea. What if we could send our DNA to Neogen and find out if this animal, this sheep in this case, or it could be a calf, is resistant to wolf predation? I do not think that Neogen ha- currently has a test or a Leo that verifies that a sheep is not tasty to a wolf. But if anybody could come up with one, it would be Neogen. Shine a light on your genetic future. Get more details about all of the genetics and genomes that you can learn about in your beef, cattle, your sheep, and your pigs and your pets. Details at Neogen.com. I'm sorry. You should have shut me off at any time because I can roll on this one at any point. This is a tender tender thing for me back in three two one welcome back to roll route trent loose hank vogler doesn't really care about this topic but i appreciate him spending a little time with us on it <laughs> well a lot of it's your problem yeah loose it's all marketing something as innocuous as all roads lead to a rural route yeah you should have something out there in the front window that's flamboyant something like nuke the gay whales for Jesus coalition or something like that that gets snappy. And then I would be driving your limousine by now instead of, you know, telling the truth uh, on <laughs> rural routes. For nothing. You, you, it's marketing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but think about this. There are no Price gay whales. There are no gay whales. Let's just be clear. Oh. 
It doesn't matter. You just got to have something snappy. Black Lives Matter. Well, they're a Marxist organization. They don't care that 97% of all people that die, die at the hands of other black people. It color, it's, just, it's just a fact. The amount of uh, more white guys are killed by the police than, than black guys. I mean, it's just crap. But it resonates. It gets people's interest picked. And if you look at those marches, most of those people are white people that have some sort of a guilt trip they're on. Hey, let's talk about the Trail of Tears for a half a second before we get back to the topic. That resonates big time of the injustices paid against my people or part of my people, my grandma's people. But the part that you probably never heard before is when they left the Carolinas and all of that country by Andrew Jackson and his other movements to get the Indians out of that country, the Creeks, the Seminoles, the Chickasaws, all of those people, they got to take their slaves with them. Did you know that? No, I did not even know they had slaves. They had slaves. According to my nephew, Todd, uh, my family helped in the American Revolution, and they had plantations, and they had slaves. Indians had slaves before the white guys got here. You know, the Shoshones used to beat up on the Paiutes. All of this, but you don't hear about that. You hear about the Trail of Tears. So the Shoshones would take Paiutes as prisoner and then use them as slaves? Yep, 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 and they fought over territory. One of the biggest things that ever happened to the Native American was not only the Clovis point that eliminated several species, Mm -hmm. the camel, the three-toed horse and all of that, the the mammoth, with a a very much more high-powered instrument to gather food, the horse. As soon as they got the horse, I'm sure they ate the first one, and after they ate the first one, then they figured, you know, if we could get on these horses like these white guys, we could go over and kick butt across the street over these guys we don't like. And so for two or three hundred years, they were whipping up on each other. And, you know, look at some old pictures. You tell me well, you want to talk about one with the earth. Look at those old pictures of, of where they had the encampments. The ground was bare as a bird's buttocks. The, the the grasses were grazed because they had huge, huge horses with no natural enemies grazing because uh, that was power. I believe the 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 Umatilla Indians, the, the the head of the Umatilla Indians along the had he the chief had a hundred and some thousand head horses. So they had to eat something too, and they set the the prairies on fire to starve the people going to Oregon uh, to settle. They burned everything in front of them. I mean, there's all this history is left out because it's inconvenient. Well, it's just like this crap going on. Now, price of corn is down. Price of soybeans is down. Price of all of these commodities are down. So a guy comes to you. The bank's banging on your door. Mm-hmm. You're trying to pay the mortgage. You're trying to make all the bills. Guy comes to your door and says, We want to have a wildlife corridor from the Great Lakes to the Oregon coast. We'll give you twice what, or it doesn't matter because it's government money, $900 million more to the two or three billion that they already have that to produce, purchase land. We'll, we'll buy your farm here. And, and you can retire and, and, and be wealthy, and your kids have already moved to the city, whatever. 
So how many people are going to succumb to that? And guess what? When you go into the Grange Hall, I don't even have Grange Halls anymore, I don't think. But you go to a meeting with the rest of your farmers. And you go in there and you say, Trent, why did you sell out to those people? They're going to, they don't like agriculture. They're going to have this prairie that's going to go across and it's going to get full of dead grass. It's going to burn us out. And we're going to have all these predators living right next door to us. So we'll have that much more trouble raising our livestock. And you go, well, I did it in the, for Mother Nature, for the environment. And it, it's bull. It's bull crap. Male bovine fecal matter. But the next thing you know, huge swaths of land are in whose control? Yeah. The people that have the poorest chance of taking care of it. So I'm still hung up on a guy. This tells you how based in reality he is. Who thinks he can raise a sheep that predators won't want to eat. Well, I think he was from San Francisco where he made his money or he invented right. something. or I, I'm not sure what source mm-hmm. of his money was, but he bought this sheep ranch in, in eastern central Idaho uh, from the the first ranch he bought. I believe it was from the Santa Rosa. I think he bought other ranches. And it's still a rather large sheep area uh, in, in, in central Idaho and, and an old famous sheep outfit. They used to put their sheep on the train and take them to the like Arizona to lamb them and then bring them back. And, and uh, but, uh, Pete Santa Rosa was the Secretary of State for Idaho for years. But my point is, I, I, I know that, and this, he's a little bit ahead of his time, by the way, because he didn't just buy this outfit. He's had it for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, 10 years probably, maybe a, little, maybe a little more. Okay. Well, 10 years, not long then. But just the whole concept to believe you can have it reminds me of the day I was in Chicago at an animal rights convention. This guy had written a book about they had converted everybody over to eating plant-based foods. And now the main objective was to convince the tigers, the lions, and the predators of South Africa that they no longer need to eat each other. And huh. how, how, that work? How, how, Hank, do we – well, it was a book you know that was said in like 2028, so we're not there yet. But how do we get to the mindset where people just fully don't understand a cycle of life, period? You're so disconnected from reality that you think you can make a sheep that a wolf won't want to eat. Okay. Just have to step back. The guy that wrote the book, it's a Bible now for how to raise wildlife, wrote his book and did his studies when we had effective control. I talked to an old sheep herder, Ramon. Was at my house, and he, we got. You always get right back to talking about predators. Can't help it. And I started telling him about how much trouble we're having with the ravens, even though we eliminate as many of them as we can, because we can do it on private land. There's a hundred thousand ravens in the state of Nevada, according to the statistics that we've been given. U.S. Fish and Wildlife issues six thousand poison eggs, which are very host specific. They don't kill everything around. <clears throat> Ramon says, you mean crows? They never bothered us. And I said, no, the great big ravens. Well, we never had ravens. Well, of course they didn't. The ravens come marching out here down the highways eating carrion that was run over by people. And now they've populated this area out here. That's the reason, one of the two reasons you don't have sage grouse that used to blacken the sky in this area. So if you did all your studies back in the 60s and the early 70s before Richard Nixon, 
took away 1080, a very effective, very host-specific thing that eliminated or or at least got them under control, coyotes. You had deer, you had wildlife, predators were gone, prey-based animals were there. So this Bible is now still in effect. And so these people think that they can raise that because the people that wrote the old book says, hey, coyotes eat grasshoppers and ground squirrels and rabbits. They don't hardly bother sheep or cattle or anything else. Well, at the time they didn't because they died if they got near sheep. They died if they got near cattle. Uh, so the Bible that, that was written for the environmental movement is completely flawed. It didn't mm. include anything but you know, grasshoppers, ground squirrels, mm. rabbits. Well, you have to think about it, and that's where we'll pick it up when we come back. All of the things that happened as a result of the hippies in the 60s led to the formation of the EPA, and life hasn't been the same. We'll take a break. We'll come back and discuss how life has been worsened by the EPA. After this... Certified Piedmontese creates opportunities for cattlemen to get paid properly for the cattle that they produce, and it's all based upon a test, a test to verify that the myostatin gene is present in these Piedmontese cattle. That's the gene responsible for tenderness. But what matters to you, the cattlemen, is you use the Piedmontese genetics, follow their protocol for health, which is the standard protocol, nothing out of the ordinary, and then you get paid properly. A larger percentage of the consumer's food dollar. That's the bottom line. That's what 2020 has brought home to everybody. How can we do that? At our place, we choose to use Lone Creek Cattle Company. You too could do that. www.lonecreekcattleco.com Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler, as he is every Monday, and uh, the one that comes to mind. The whole EPA was formed by Nixon to ban DDT because Silent Spring and all of the calls to ban DDT globally. You know, I'm not sure that that was any different than where we're at today with COVID, Hank. Well, no. And again, Nixon was trying to curry favor with the Democrats because they were were after him over Watergate, which, you know, they've been stealing each other's garbage uh, when the ink wasn't dry on the Constitution to try and figure out what the opposition was thinking. That's that's just, that's politics. The lie is what got him. The lying about it, they're trying to cover it up, to hide it, the, the abuse of power. But he was trying to curry favor with the Democrats, which smelled blood in the water. They were not going to do anything except, but when you say the environment, Great marketing. Nobody can touch it. Nobody. It's it's something you. Department of Labor. Same thing. Oh, you can't touch it, man. There's too many votes in there. Has nothing to do with common sense. Has nothing to do with reality. It has to do with getting reelected. And we have a 98 percent recidivity right now. So I mean, it's just nuts. And that's what's going on. And as long as the electorate is led to believe all these things, that's what we're going to have. EPA. Is if you were working for the EPA, you go out to a feedlot, you you find a puddle in a feedlot that's got urine and fecal matter in it, and you take that and you sample it, and then you go to a river 50 miles, 100 miles away, and you sample that. You mix the two samples together, and you go, oh, my God, we got some problems. Because that's your job. 
job. That's what you have to do. Yes, we have made mistakes. Yes, we we have come up with some, some combinations of things. But to throw the baby out with the bathwater in 1900, Trent, you and I would be dead. I believe the life expectancy was 45 years of age. Yeah. Now, 80% of the people that are dying of the COVID virus are over the age of 80. And most mm-hmm. of them have a compromised immune system. But we're shutting or down we're schools. We're belts. shutting down whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, everything in the world is based on fear factor, based on the politics of it. But mm-hmm. if you were making your mortgage payments, your car payment, and your kids were going to go to the university when they grow up, and you were working for the EPA, you'd be out there hustling your buttocks to find something wrong. No logic. You don't even need logic. You just go, you know what? If you eat 3,000 pounds of this liver every day for 25 years, you're going to come down with cancer of the big toe. And people go, oh, my God, we, we can't have that. <laughs> you know, when is the last time anybody in the United States of America starved to death without having some real underlying situation, like crazy parents locking you in the closet or something like that? My parents didn't lock me in the closet. They just moved all the time and never gave me the forwarding address when I was in school. You know, so it's different. But Yeah, and everybody who has trouble understanding why that happened, please stand and be heard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, but this is I, it's just human this nature. Power. It's marketing, but it's marketing fear. And Hank, we we can sit here and complain about it. I think you can go back to Caesar's time and see where the same exact thing took place. It's human nature. We're not going to avoid it. We just need to try to minimize it. Yes, and and, and the most amazing thing is is telling the truth. What what did this over the weekend? I I saw it on the uh, real news this morning, and uh, this guy this guy goes to the White House and 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 his family come here with you know two cents in their pocket, work their butts off for three generations, and they sell some kind of food product, and now all the bunny huggers and all the left is saying because he said nice things uh, that. We have a, a businessman for a leader, and thank you very much. Wow. Now we're supposed to not eat these uh, food. Goya. Well, go ahead. I think that anybody that signs up for the radical environmentalism, which has nothing to do with anything but control, then they should all sign a pledge that when it happens, when we collapse our economy, when we collapse our food supply, when we collapse all these things, and we do like Joseph Stalin did and said, you, you, and you are now farmers. Go to the Ukraine and become farmers and have a nice day. Yeah, great. When that happens and the shelves are empty and everything is gone and we're living practically as hunter-gatherers or in North Korea where they eat the grass, steal the grass out of the parks to go on boil it up for tea, then they should sign uh, You remember that day. I, first to starve to death. I often tell the story about Orville Gullickson, who during the Great Depression would go outside looking for a dandelion that popped up in the yard so he had something to eat that day, living in his railroad tie house. Yeah. My uh, grandparents... Uh, uh, 
lived in a tent while my uh, uh, while my grandfather worked in a uh, when they were building a mill in Oak Ridge, Oregon. Uh, they they had a house that they paid two hundred and fifty dollars for, which was probably quite a bit of money. That had burlap sacks on the window, but they never gave up, and they got over it and they got through it. So yeah, but now we don't do that anymore. No. We go. You got to go give to me the a handout. The government. Yeah, yeah, not a yeah, and and then once you get on the handout deal, you can stay on the handout deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's hard to turn down. Well, it's I, hard to turn I down. fully recognize how this works, and I took part in it myself. You know, last week after you and I talked, I went to Des Moines. Can you believe, by the way, we had 3,000 people at a pig show in Des Moines for a week? Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Regardless, uh, one of my buddies, Ernie Barnes, uh, we always have this pack where well, usually he sets up a coffee deal at some place where he sets up an account and then uh, he goes and pays it at the end and we both drink off of it. But I deliver coffee. So that's like my my, you know, foot traffic is the part of the partnership that works. Well, this is his home territory. So he's got an office and he sets up a coffee pot in that office. And so Monday through Friday, I'm just charging in there whenever I need coffee. Whenever he wants coffee, I'm packing coffee out of there, made coffee, whenever it got low, you know. Saturday morning, I get there normal time, 7 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock, it's locked. I called Ernie and I said, Ernie, is it, I'm like a welfare mother looking for the next handout. My coffee pot's locked. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to open it on the weekend. <laughs> you get so used to just going oh, in there. It's no, di- and, and I could just in my, yeah. I mean, it seems like a minor little thing, but I guarantee you the the welfare thought process is no different. It, you have, you're flying without a net. You know that there's a net under you. You know, it keeps riots in from the street, but it's supposed to end. Lyndon Baines Johnson, I'm going to live night poverty in your lifetime. Well, Lyndon, you're gone and I'm getting pretty long in the tooth. When's it going to happen? Well, we've spent several trillion dollars. And it hasn't worked. But if you, okay, go back to work. I've said it on this show a hundred times. You're working for the welfare office. You got your job. You're making your first car payment. You're renting your apartment. You just bought a bill of groceries with your first check. You go out. You got 25 accounts to do. You come back in. You say, 24 of these people have no business being on this. And they go, okay, thank you. Uh, By the way, we're going to have to lay you off because uh, we don't need you now. And so you're not you're going to go out and recruit 25 more people, not eliminate. So there is no incentive in the government to save one penny. It's to spend every dime in the budget and ask for more. And it expands your power. Then you become this little powerful fiefdom in your area. Boy, it's employment. Yeah. So you're not going to cut the bite the hand that feeds you any more than. Yeah. Than the guy that's getting the, the, the welfare. It's than me trying to get, to get coffee for free. Oh, yeah. by, oh, by the way, it, being it's, a it's true by, being a true buddy and pal, Ernie Barnes told me to go to the coffee shop on the end that he already set up an account there, and I charged my first <laughs> cup. <to him. laughs> Again, it's just human nature. Yeah, you know, it, it truly is. Yeah. And the whole thing of it is, is we have to continually adjust the system to get through the rough times. There's always been rough times. Look at the money that's been spun out of the economy with the COVID virus. 
I mean, they're canceling rodeos every time you turn around, all these things. Well, that money went through town. The Pendleton Roundup, they're not going to have it. Well, most of the businesses in Pendleton, a lot of them will collapse because they kind of break even for the year and their cash cow is the whatever days of the Pendleton Roundup. That's where they, that's the profit margin. If you've got an airline and you can only fill it up to 50% capacity, well, wait a minute, it's the 80% capacity that fills the bus. The other 20% goes back to the stockholders. So, or whatever, there's a, there's a line out there in every business that you got to have. You know, I had a guy at the BLM say, well, why are you buying all these permits? And I said, well, I'm trying to get a viable unit here together so I can survive. And all these little units are not enough to make it work because you got to have some volume to pay all the bills. Oh, you know. Well, it's so because uh, they've never had, people who administer these things have never had to make a business work. They haven't. They don't have the first concept in what it takes. And boy, I guarantee you, you lose your good old boy status just as soon as you start making something work. Then all of a sudden, you're a greedy pig. So people feel guilty. I don't care what business it is. I knew yeah. an old guy that uh, practically starved to death during the, the depression and made it and made it big. And boy, they talked behind his back like he was an evil human being. But he had a whole bunch of hired jealousy. men. It's that, just jealousy. Yeah. It's roll route. And nobody's jealous of roll route. They just want to be a part of it. We'll take a break. We'll come back with the final segment. Hank Vogler, try to get him wound up here today. That's what we'll work on more after this. I just want to get a reminder about the All-American Beef, but and Amanda Radke did a tremendous job on Facebook with a profile about the history of the Beef Battalion and uh, continues to go strong, not feeding, but will be feeding again soon. All-American Beef Battalion on the web at Lone Creek. No, don't. Yeah, you can go to Lone Creek about beef if you like. There's a creature of habit right there. Steaks for troops.com for the all-american beef battalion and while i'm of sane mind i want to remind you about the stand at paxton county it's not just a movie that i'm in on netflix it's a movie that shares the struggles so many animal owners have on a daily basis every single day somebody contacts me about trouble with the local law enforcement and animal rights activists teaming up to remove their property in most cases i'm talking about animals it's typically horses or dogs or chickens watch the stand at paxton county we need everybody to understand the actual struggles that people have and how they get hung up in what we call the judicial system the stand at paxton county good grief i forgot to tell you it's on netflix yeah watch it on netflix Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce into the final segment. All of this started because I found a news story about a gentleman who went broke trying to be a sheep herder in Idaho and was giving his permits back. That whole thing was just a ploy to set a precedent in my mind. Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. I'm, and guess what? It's mm-hmm. You know, it's no different than the prairie chicken for you guys and me. Uh, people betting how many beers, how many minutes into the program before I said something about sage grouse. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, even a blind squir- squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. And I guarantee you, this giving the government more money to buy more land and the people that are pushing this corridor, this wildlife corridor, they got to have land. And it's going to be prairie land. It's going to be 
farmland. It's going to be a lot of things, and it's going to be your next-door neighbor. And when it's your next-door neighbor, just like the refuge system in southeast Oregon that used to be full of wildlife, but because they allowed livestock to graze in there, it was evil. They went from 62 families making a living off of that place down to 19 the last I heard. And the place is a mess. It's a tule patch. They're, the wildlife has marched off of the country. They do not use it in the same vein that they used it back in the 60s and the 70s. It was yeah. it was unbelievable. There would be ponds that you could not see the water in the pond for the duck butts. I mean, it was unbelievable. And uh, now it's a cesspool full of predators. It's a cesspool full of inedible plants and weeds that has infected everything around it. I see a major correction coming, and I'm not even at that location, but there will be a little uh, heat in the name of fire come and take care of it all. Very, very well could. Uh, this country, I, I don't believe in the 35, 36 years I've been in this valley that I've ever seen it this dry, and I've never seen day after day 95 to 100 degree temperatures. I just don't see that. So yeah, whatever that dry cycle heat is, hate, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, except for the springs are going dry, mm. and everything is going dry. Um, we had ten inches the week of Memorial Day, and you know I've spent the last year and a half whining to you about excessive moisture. Well, that whining quit a couple of weeks ago, if you hadn't noticed. Last week, though, accompanied by a pretty significant storm, we did get four inches. So things have kind of popped back. Not, not. But you're no, in an no area. Complaints. You're in an area that 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 has always been in that cycle. Yes. And you have the capacity for your soils to take that water in. Hmm. If we had four inches of hmm. rain within no, a week, goes to the it, it would be a disaster. Yeah, it yeah. would be a disaster. This old soil out here just seals right up. So, you know, that's why it's the United States. It's not the federal government and its subordinates. It's the United States. Because even the founding fathers realized that what went on in the Carolinas was different than went on in Maine or whatever, New Hampshire. Or there, there was differences. And so it was restricted. The federal government was to be restricted. And now it's the other way around. And and it's it should not be that way. It should be given. You know, here's a here's one for you. Some absolutely scum of the earth raped a four year old kid. Who would he was do an that? Indian in Oklahoma? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, this is a this is a crime that somebody should be shot on sight. Oh, he no. is in no. jail. I have better plans, but go ahead. Well, okay. I'm anyhow. We both can't get that done. <laughs> Yours yeah. are my plan. So he sues the federal government saying, wait a minute. You guys made the decision that the whole eastern half of Oklahoma belonged to these different tribes, Seminoles, Chickasaws, Chickasaws, Cherokees, Creeks, whatever. So this should be under federal law. Well, the Supreme Court just ruled that that's true. So now the whole eastern half of Oklahoma suddenly – According to the Supreme Court, it looks like... Even deeded property? I I don't know if they're going to recognize deeded property, but it's under federal jurisdiction now. It's an Indian reservation, the whole eastern half of Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. according to this decision. Well, and 
Gorsuch says, according to the article that I read on this, Gorsuch says that the federal government has to keep its word. Well, is it just word on law enforcement, or is it keeping their word like in the state of Nevada, which is 86% federally owned? Or, do, or, or, or do they, are they supposed to turn these, everything over to the states? Uh, you know, all the treaties that have been broken with all the Indians, I believe that the Treaty of Ruby Valley gave most of Nevada and part of California, part of Utah, I believe, and into southeast Oregon. And there was, it, was, it was a reservation. So if Gorsuch says that this absolutely insane, stupid thing, now all of eastern Oklahoma is back to tribal law or back to federal government or, you know, what's the ramifications of that? I'm going to dig into <laughs> this. You really piqued my interest because I, I, I've been dancing around with this and coming out with it in different places, particularly on my evening program in North Dakota. The whole BLM, as you, I, I think you've nailed it 100%, not the Bureau of Land Management, the Black Lives Matter. It's funded by outside, out-of-nation interest. It's all about creating chaos and destruction. It's about anarchy. And uh, I, I pretty clearly see that path. But what I don't think a lot of people see, unless they live in a place where there are Indian reservations, it's fueling a lot of thought process and actions on Indian reservations. We saw some of that with Mount Rushmore. And when the president went there on the 4th of July, that's going to have a long-term implication, Hank. You bet. You bet. And, and, and all of a sudden, the dilemma of who's in charge of eastern Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Is and it going to be federal reservations? Well, I guarantee you that'll be a mess, no matter what, if it's and, just law enforcement. And I welcome any tribal chief. Just, just to remind people, or maybe if you don't know, if you haven't listened, I lived on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota for five years, was involved with tribal politics. I was the white guy, and I know I was the white guy, who went to tribal council meetings every week because they reminded me every week I was the white guy. Um, but, uh, so I understand thought processes and I want somebody to join me here and tell me about sovereign nation of the tribe of the tribes. There is no sovereign nation when you live on handouts from the federal government, you just eliminated your sovereign nation status, but they keep waving that flag. Like you can't tell us what to do, Christy Nome, cause this is a sovereign nation. No, you're not a sovereign nation. You're completely dependent upon uncle Sam. Well, and I believe most of the reservations that, that have got gambling, which was another a coup, I don't believe the tribes, other than getting the, uh, their share of the loot at the end of the deal, I don't think many of them are employed there. I don't think many of them are doing anything there. It's another handout. 87% unemployment on the Rosebud when I lived there. 92% yeah. on Pine Ridge when I was living on the Rosebud. Yeah. When I used to have the reservation leased, here in White Pine County, they when I first got there, they said, "Well, you know, part of the deal is is you got to hire these guys to help you cowboy." So me and my kids, the oldest one was about the seventh grade, down, not up. We were out there buckarooing, and they all showed up to buckaroo about two hours, three hours after daylight, mm -hmm. and by two o'clock in the afternoon, we lost them all. They had gone back to the store and gotten beer. 
and you're not supposed to drink beer on the reservation. They gathered up. One of them got got his pickup going, and and they were gone. Yeah, they they just it was too much too much trouble, and they never showed up again. They, mm-hmm. That was it. So I fulfilled my obligation. I I offered offered them the opportunity. They did not take it. Uh, the abundant food. My sister used to hand out the abundant food to them, and she showed them how to cook it and different things like that. The dump was full of cases, 48 cans of evaporated milk, never been opened. All kinds of stuff, anything well, they didn't want. There, yeah. there was ladies that were using the cans of butter to make footstools. Yeah, I mean, it was just All you have ridiculous. to do is drive through a reservation, look at the housing that was provided free of charge from the federal government. And there's three, there's three or four different events there. The old log cabins, then the next is the clapboard houses. The next, you know, and and they're abandoned. Uh, uh, the first day I went looking for some cows that had kind of gone down where the meadows were at. They'd had a party, left the doors open, the the pipes had burst. The cows were drinking out of the front door of of a brand new house. Yes, yeah, three Bob. The image you're supposed to bring to the forefront is that uh, windows are out of the house because they sold them to buy more beer, and the horses drinking out of the toilet through the window. Well, whether they bought more beer the night that they made that reservation, they burned Georgetta's house down. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the ranch that they bought. Gave it to the Indians. Seventeen room. Very nice home, and and they burned her to the ground, and the old foundation is still there. So, yeah, uh, but it placated them. It shut them up for a minute, and and then everybody yeah. could say, "Look what we did!" And it provided a gazillion jobs for you white guys to administer because yeah, absolutely to have the meeting, you had to go sober up Viry to, to to do the secretarial work, and she drew her money that was up into the two thousands. Then, all uh, right. Yeah. So, Hank, we got one minute. You have two precedent-setting issues in front of you that will impact all of us, whether we can see it or not. Southern Nevada Water Authority buying property, and second, a guy who thinks he can just surrender his permits back to the federal government. Those two issues are big. Oh, boy. Yeah, you have a state agency running a ranch, competing with the people's checkbook, and pushing people around and and going to change the laws so they can have what they want. And the same way with this guy in Idaho, those permits should be reissued to somebody that's in private enterprise to run sheep in there and do some predator control, control some wolves. They've already cleaned out the hunting. Hunting brings in a lot of money to Idaho, but we're all politically correct in Boise, Idaho, because we brought our trappings with us when we moved out took our sack of money, got out of the high-tax states, moved to Idaho, and now want to reinvent the wheel and hurt the people of Idaho. That'll do it. We have successfully journeyed it down the road connecting rural and urban America. Both Hank Vogler and myself remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route, no matter what Hank says earlier. (laughs) You know, there is a method to my madness. They talk about Lone Creek because they utilize the latest in genomic testing through Neogen And it's all about eliminating the mistakes, eliminating the trial and error. How can we as farmers and ranchers achieve profitability? It's without making mistakes. 
So, Lone Creek Cattle Company, I'm not saying it's perfect, but what we're doing is eliminating the variables, as many variables as possible, and get paid properly. Lone Creek, Certified Piedmontese, Neogen Genomic Testing. That's the whole story. See you tomorrow. Thanks, Hank.